0: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The T-Biz Podcast delivers a recap of the week's major T-News headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. Teabiz is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Ekaterra Tea pledges to be net zero at the UN Convention on Climate Change. Grocery shoppers say they are willing to pay for sustainably produced foods and inflation demonstrates a troubling persistence more in a minute, but first this important message,
1: what makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Keilani Valley, Telewakili, Boga-Wanthalawa, Harana, and Elipdia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka.
0: Ekatera Tea, Unilever's newly created division of Legacy Tea Brands and the world's largest tea supplier, pledged this week to become carbon net zero by 2030. The division, led by CEO John Davidson, announced several climate and sustainability goals, including a commitment to 100% sustainably sourced teas, a switch to all plant-based tea bags, and recyclable, compostable, or reusable packaging by 2025, along with the adoption of regenerative agricultural practices for raw materials sourcing by 2030. Greenhouse gases have reduced by 66% since 2010, said Davidson, who promised a further reduction to 80% from the 2010 baseline. Ekaterra owns Lipton, PG Tips, Tazo, Brookbond, Lions, Puka, and Red Rose, leading tea brands in 58 of the 110 countries where its portfolio of 34 products are sold. The division employs 1 million people in 21 countries, earning 2 billion euros annually, about 2.3 billion in U.S. dollars. Quote, Real leadership today means mobilizing and transforming the entire industry for positive impact, said Davidson. The announcement benefited from global attention on COP26, now winding down in Glasgow, Scotland where the U.S. and China announced an unexpected climate agreement adding to momentum for change. Delegates are negotiating an accelerated carbon emissions cutting schedule and financial aid to developing countries. Scientists stress the importance of keeping global temperatures within a 1.5 degrees Celsius target. Copious amounts of tea were visible during the event. At one point, protesters dressed as caricatures of world leaders staged a Tea Party-themed performance where they were served burnt Alaska and Arctic melt. Business Insight There was a greater sense of urgency during the two-week summit. Quote, Everyone knows what is at stake for the future. We have no choice but to rise to that challenge, end quote. COP President Alec Sharma told delegates, COP26 promises a renewed commitment to climate change in the most important response since the Paris Agreement. (laughs) Grocery shoppers say they are willing to pay for sustainably produced foods. Are consumers willing to compensate suppliers for the cost of sustainable production? Yes, according to a global panel of 86,000 consumers conducted by YouGov. Quote, sustainability, both in terms of production and consumption, is top of mind for many consumers globally, according to YouGov. As governments worldwide sign accords to battle climate change, reduce carbon emissions, and look after the planet's health, quote, Consumers are also inclined to playing their part in helping preserve the environment and are willing to back their personal values with their spending dollars, end quote, according to YouGov. YouGov's International FMCG-CPG Report 2021 compares shifts in consumer preferences and consumption patterns in 17 countries. When queried on their willingness to pay more to address environmental concerns, Only responses from persons identified as mainly or partly responsible for grocery shopping for their household, grocery shoppers, were tallied. Globally, three in five German grocery shoppers, 60%, were willing to pay more to address environmental concerns. Next were U.S. grocery shoppers at 58%, closely followed by U.K. grocery shoppers at 57%. More than half of grocery shoppers in Australia, 53%, showed a similar inclination. In Japan, feelings are mixed. Only 3 in 10 grocery shoppers agree with the statement, I don't mind paying more for products that are good for the environment. 42% of this audience neither agreed or disagreed with the statement. Business Insight The YouGov panel indicated that in the UK and the US, Gen Z and millennial grocery shoppers were far more likely than older age cohorts to say they would pay more for sustainable products. Dismissed initially as transitory, economists responded with concern this week as an increase in the US cost of living touched a 30-year high. Inflation increased to 6.2% in October, growing at a pace not seen since 1990, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Inflation was more subdued in the European Union at 4.1% last month, up from 3.4% in September. U.S. food prices added far less to the overall cost of living than energy costs, for example, which rose by 30% in the past year. But food inflation has spiked globally. Hunger and malnutrition are on the rise due to weather-related flooding and droughts and more expensive inputs. Bloomberg writes that a United Nations index tracking staples rose 3% to a fresh decade high in October, threatening even higher grocery bills for households that have already been strained by the pandemic. Tea is plentiful. Rising prices for bulk transactions are blamed on energy costs, shipping, logistics, and expensive ground transport, not scarcity. The cost of labor climbed steeply in 2021 at both ends of the supply chain, along with costs for manufacturing packaged goods. In the tea lands, worsening hunger is a concern as Africa and India experience multi-year highs. National governments and aid groups report the poorest families are struggling. The World Bank reports that global poverty had been declining before COVID-19. Quote, As a result of long-term scarring, we estimate that by 2030, 588 million people could still live in extreme poverty, an additional 50 million people compared to pre-COVID-19 estimates. Business Insight Market research firm IRI predicts CPG inflation will be 8% in grocery during the first half of 2022, tapering to 4% in the second half of the year in U.S. markets. The current inflation rate is 5.3% for packaged goods, according to IRI. Consumers pull back from purchases, leading to a decline in unit sales and volume when prices rise 5% or more, according to IRI. Aravindan and Theraman in Bengaluru reports on this week's India Tea Auction Prices.
1: India Tea Price Report for the week ending 6th November 2021. In news this week is the invitation to Indian tea companies to participate in Iraq's first tea festival. Iraq was a major market for Indian tea until 2006, when the government of Iraq procured tea from India under the UN Food for Oil programme. Import of tea stood at around 80 million kilos, with nearly half coming from India. Today, Sri Lanka is a major supplier of tea to Iraq. So this invitation from the Baghdad Chamber of Commerce comes as a boost at a time when Indian exports are struggling, even as competition from Kenya and Sri Lanka intensifies. In markets this week, Kolkata auctions saw good demand for all teas. Middle East was active for orthodox tea while Hindustan Unilever was active for dust and for Darjeeling tea. Prices were not significantly different from the previous week. Guwahati also saw good demand with major blenders active for both leaf and dust. Prices were higher by 7 to 10 rupees from the previous week. Siliguri also saw better prices this week compared with previous week. In the south, there was no sale in Coimbatore auctions this week. In Cochin, prices were marginally higher than the previous week. Exporters to the CIS and Middle East were active for orthodox leaf. Fannings sold well to exporters and teabag manufacturers. In Kunur, 90% of the CTC leaf was sold, with major blenders being the main buyers. Orthodox leaf also saw good demand, with whole leaf grades seeing marginally higher prices this week. Exporters were active for orthodox leaf, while CTC Dust saw major blenders active. 124 kilos of green tea on offer was sold, averaging at Rs. 281 per kilo.
0: And now, a word from our sponsor. Trade
2: understands
0: that a successful tea blend goes
2: beyond the creative fusion of appearance, aroma, and flavor. Our multi-award winning product development team is passionate about converting natural ingredients into sensory experiences that customers crave. Every recipe is formulated with a commercial backbone of dependable quality sourcing with a pricing structure that supports a safe, regulated, profitable, and scalable blend. Q-Trade meets every brand's retail, food service, and e-commerce need. For more information, visit our website, QTradeTees.com.
0: T-Biz this week travels to India where the traditional tea plantation model is under regulatory scrutiny. The union government there is redrafting legislation from the 1950s to gradually loosen regulations, abandoning requirements that previously limited who could grow tea and where it could be grown. In part one of this extended Newsmaker interview, Arvinda Anantharaman speaks with the Tea Board of India chairman Prabhat Bezborova, to better understand the current situation and the economic and societal forces driving change.
1: The Tea Board of India has been in the news recently for various reforms that seem to be underway. We spoke to Prabhat Bezborova, Chairman of the Tea Board of India, to understand the changes that are brewing with the board, as well as his views on how the Indian tea industry is faring this year. Prabhat Borua has been chairman since 2017 and is the first tea planter to hold this position. How has 2021 been for the Indian tea industry?
2: It's been quite bad. 2020, despite the lockdown and despite the fact that the tea gardens were shut for a while, turned out to be a pretty good year for tea. When supply is restricted, tea prices go up this year. Indian volumes have recovered and will almost touch the 2019 levels and uh, demand is uh, sluggish. I personally don't believe that demand has contracted over the COVID epidemic, but it's sluggish. It's, um, you can say, stagnant, maybe 1% or so higher. And 19 was a bad year for P. so 21 will be a pretty bad year, especially for the South Indian industry where prices are lower uh, even than 2019.
1: Are rising costs and slowing exports the primary reason?
2: The primary reason is that volume, our our output, our crop has bounced back to the 2019 levels. Remember, we had record exports in 2019 of 255 million kilos. Last year, they were about 210 or 15 hours. This year, they're likely to be lower even than last year. Uh, the whole logistics chain having been broken in various cases, various reasons. Right. Indian being being uncompetitive. Uh, Kenyan uh, teas are still available cheaper than equivalent Indian teas. I mean, South India doesn't compete with Kenya. Basically, you have orthodox exports from South India, which are decent. They compete with Sri Lankan exports. The South Indian CTCs that are that are much lower in the in the value chain than uh, than Kenyans. But North Indian CTC exports are going to be uh, very badly affected because Kenyans are available much cheaper. Well, the domestic demand uh, is also sluggish. Prices are down everywhere.
1: Will growers carry forward tea again this year, like 2019?
2: There will be. There might be some carry uh, forward stock because exports are going to be much lower than 2019. But, you know, in 19, we made 1,395 million kilos or 1,390 million kilos and we exported 250 or 55 million kilos. So, if our exports had been at 2019 levels, you wouldn't have seen any carry, uh, carry forward this year.
1: India's hospitality industry has still to recover from the pandemic. What's the impact on tea?
2: Hospitality is a fairly large chunk of demand in India. Hospitality includes your tea stalls, uh, roadside tea stalls. That's a big demand. Mm. But the total out-of-home demand for tea in India is only around 15% of the total demand. In-home usage, drinking of tea has increased to offset some of the drop in in, uh, OOH. I, I don't buy the story that Indians are drinking less tea in 2021 than they were even in 2019. But I don't think you, you're you really going to see a very bad last quarter as far as demand is concerned. I don't know about prices, but I think the demand will be there.
1: You've spoken about the need to liberalize the market. What would you say is the current reliance on auctions as a price discovery platform? What needs to change?
2: Well, uh, I've always thought that the auctions are a good place to sell your tea. Provided it's the only place to sell your tea. You, you can't have a system uh, which acts as the primary price discovery mechanism. That's the auction. And then it and expose it to uh, manipulation, all kinds of, you know, there's no overt collusion among the main buyers, because, uh, you know, they are companies which are bound by very strict ethical codes, and and they do follow those codes. So I, I would hasten to dispel the notion that there is any overt collusion between at least the, the big boys, uh, so to speak. In any auction, there's what's known as a demand multiplier, even the biggest boy to get a million kilos of tea, for example, needs to bid for two and a half or two or two and a half million kilos of tea because they don't get every lot they bid for. So if you take away demand from the auction, if a buyer has a total demand requirement, annual demand requirement of say 50 million kilos uh, and you permit him to buy uh, 30 million outside the auctions, His uh, the level of competition in the auction will be affected not only for the 30 million that he doesn't buy, but another 40 or 50 million that he would have had to bid for in order to buy that 30 million. Right. So it's, it's actually a no-brainer that if you have parallel systems running, even if there's no overt collusion, you'll be weakening the auction. So, therefore, the auction should not be the price barometer, but it is. So, I don't believe that a dual system can survive. Now we need to sell 50% of our teas in the auctions, but buyers don't need to buy 50% of their purchases <laughs> in the auctions. So it's all it's a total hodgepodge. I have brought up the issue repeatedly at the tea board. Now they have Mahadevan's report in hand. Even that is being implemented very slowly. But I would warn that that's not a panacea. That will not be a panacea unless you ensure that 100% of tea is sold through the auctions. If you can't do that, I feel that the government and the tea board should withdraw from the auctions. The brokers who sell tea on behalf of the producers to the buyers in the auctions. Brokers can organize their own auctions, right? You know, that won't be a universal barometer, price barometer. It would be like any other sale. There would be competition, the market marketing of tea, the primary marketing of tea would be liberalized in a way that would benefit everyone. The alternative, as I told you before, and I'm repeating myself many times now, is have everything in the auctions, 100% of the
1: how can the plantation model stay relevant in these changing times, even as a small tea grower community is growing?
2: The organized sector today is struggling because it has a low productivity, low investment, large-scale theft and malpractice, and an inability to, to carve a niche out for itself. There are companies, even in today's scenario, where small growers have a cost of production which is half that of the organized sector or maybe even less. There are companies which are doing well because small growers, the way they are set up and the fact that they sell their produce to botley factories, they cannot make very good teas. There are always exceptions. There are some botley factories that buy only the best quality green leaf from small growers. There are small growers who pluck very well. So there are exceptions, but the bulk the general trend in the small tea grower sector is that their quality is not as good as uh, the organized sector on an average and there are there are estates in the organized sector that make superlative teas their cost of production is much higher but especially this year they are getting huge premiums i, I would uh, like to bring to your attention that uh, a medium assam today is selling at 180 rupees a kilo 180 to maybe 200 rupees a kilo. The best is 400 plus. So you have a premium, a quality premium of 200 plus. And uh, let me tell you, the cost of production differential is not 200. Therefore, people who are uh, who aren't focusing on quality, and I'm talking about really, really good quality, Right. They're going to lose out this year. They will lose out to people who are focusing on that kind of quality. I suppose that's the way to go. If you, if you do go that way, uh, you would also, there would also be spin-off benefits for everyone because your volume will come down. It would be of interest to you that there are some areas of Assam where large-scale theft and decoity of green tea leaves take, takes place. Oh. And I've been observing that many of the tea companies, the, the majors, the tea majors, as you would call them, who've had to divest their units, they, 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 the units that they are getting rid of, and the bulk of their uh, their assets are in the areas where this green leaf theft is rampant. And uh, I I feel for them because you know it's it's the green leaf is sold to people who buy it, and there is no. You know, uh, there's no certificate of origin in the case of green leaf. Right. If you have a botley factory and somebody brings two trucks of fairly acceptable leaf to you, you will buy it. You don't ask where did yeah. you get this from. Yeah.
1: is something being done about this?
2: The leaf is being stolen from uh, the the composite gardens, the estate gardens. The people who are doing the stealing are local, uh, are local people, and the government is doing its best. Uh, you know, to help, uh, but uh, the, it's endemic in certain areas. I, I have I have a sneaking feeling that one of the big reasons for uh, majors having problems in their units is is this. I started by saying that small tea growers can produce green leaf at half or less the cost of production of garden yeah. garden, but there are ways of handling it, uh, creating niche markets for yourself, But if you have so many different pressures on you, and one of them is, uh,
0: you know, theft,
2: then then you buckle.
0: In part two, Prabhat Besbura discusses high level talks on transferring regulatory oversight of India's tea industry from the Ministry of Commerce to the Ministry of Agriculture and Farmers' Welfare. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and T-experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's wwwt Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week.